आर डूइंग चैप्टर थर्टी थ्री द सिग्निफिकेंस ऑफ ओदी पार्ट वन फ्रॉम साई सत्चरित माई ओबिशंस टू श्री गणेश टू श्री सरस्वती टू श्री गुरु महाराज टू द फैमिली डेटी टू श्री सीता रामचंद्र माई मोस्ट हम्बल ओबिशंस आई बाव इन रेवरेंस टू द मोस्ट वेनरेबल गुरु श्री साईनाथ नाउ लेट इज बाव टू द सेंट्स हुज ग्लांस ऑफ ग्रेस विल एट वंस बर्न डाउन माउंटेन्स ऑफ सिन एंड वॉश अवे द डर्ट ऑफ ईवल प्रोपेंसिटीज ऑफ दिस कल योगा माउंटेन्स ऑफ देयर फ्ले फेवर्स देर ऑब्लिगेशन के नॉट बी रिपेड इवन दो इन्यूमरेबल बर्थ्स Their most casual utterances convey most beneficial advice and brings us great and lasting happiness. Their hearts knows no differentiation that this is mine and that somebody somebody else's. Such thought of differentiation that belongs to the worldly life never crosses their mind. The last chapter carried in a very small measure the description of the guru's greatness. Now in this chapter <coughs> Listen, oh listeners, to the power of the Odi. Baba would keep on asking for Dakshina, which he gave away in charity to the meek and the lowly. For the remaining money, he used to buy bundles of faggot, which would then be piled up. He used to burn this dried up firewood in the dhuni in front of him, and the unlimited quantity of ash thus produced would be then given to the devotees as Odi. While returning home from Shirdi, when the devotee came to take leave of Baba, it was Baba's custom to give him udi, and everyone knows this. Or rather, when he said bring udi, they knew that the permission was gra- truly granted, and their hearts were gladdened. Similarly, while in Shirdi, whether it was noon, evening, or morning, Baba sent everyone home, ha- home empty-handed, without giving them udi. This was the no no no. I think there there is some mistake in this line over here. Baba sent everyone. He did not send everyone empty-handed home. He sent them with little udi at least. Okay, this was his daily practice. But what was the property of this udi? Why the perpetually burning dhuni in the mosque? And what was this daily practice? What was the purpose in Baba's mind that giving the udi suggested? It was this that this whole visible creation is nothing but ash, and that everyone should know this for certain. Even this body of ours is just a piece of wood made up of five elements and remains only for the purpose of experiencing pleasure and pain. After which it will fall motionless and be reduced to ash without fail. You and I are also in the same position. to remind you of it and to keep this awareness in the mind day and night i give this vibhuti now this whole world is a spectacle of maya only the brahma is true while the brahmand that is a world is illusory of this truth udi is the surest mark take this as a certainty here nobody belongs to anybody even wife and sons uncles and nephews naked we come and naked we leave in this world udi is a reminder of this by smearing this udi mental and bodily sufferings disappear but the deeper inner significance of this udi is detachment based on discriminating knowledge by giving whatever dakshina we can if we can become detached inwardly from outward life from worldly life 
gradually the sign of renunciation will become clear to us see this the significance of udi is it's a it's an important chapter because udi is the ash which is given when you are leaving shirdi so what baba would do he would take a little bit of ash like this and he would just give it to the devotee over there and when this devotee was given this ash it had a certain amount of significance the power of this ash is tremendous and we are not in a position to understand it so what this uh, dabolkar has done is he has given certain number of stories over here so let us see what the stories are talking about now what significance which dabolkar has given again over here in the second last line is detachment based on discriminating knowledge detachment everybody thinks you know the whole world believes that the family is a unit that we we are related to our brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and everybody else is related to each other but if you actually see we are all made up of five elements and nobody is related to any other person nobody so if you see here nobody belongs to anybody line number 15 tells you this we have heard this line times and time and again time and again that nobody belongs to any other person that means we are not somebody's property and somebody is not our property just because we have our children doesn't mean that they are our property or just because we have parents we do not become somebody's property again marriage is with an outsider no doubt about it again you cannot say that you have become somebody's property somebody owns you there is no ownership over here the only ownership that is there is with the divine that is what detachment based on discriminating knowledge detachment you are not attached to anybody in this world you are detached you are separate from every individual in this world in the previous chapter we had learnt one very beautiful thing that you have to see god in everything yet we don't see god in anybody we can see everybody as an individual every person is a b c d like this these are different different names of people you know and we cannot see god in anybody now if you take if you burn everybody you will finally see that the ash is one and the same so if you actually see the whole universe is one yet we look at ourselves as separations so if you can consider another person as same as you why do you think that there is a difference in first place that is number 1 point and now see from the reverse point of view now you think that you are owned by somebody by your own parent your parents say this is my son or this is my daughter so isn't that an ownership so you take individual ownerships this is my son this is my daughter is an individual and a biased relationship based on certain phenomena that is happening that the child is coming from the womb of the mother so the mother says this is my child whereas this whole universe has come from the womb of the mother okay that is what we call as divine consciousness and yet we do not consider her as a mother 
there is there are too many issues over here that need to be sorted out so what is to be done over here is discriminating knowledge knowledge which is discriminating know that everything is unreal in the material world only god is real this is the discriminating knowledge that you should have detachment based on discriminating knowledge so if everything is unreal how can you have relationship with another unreal person so that is the reason why he says here nobody belongs to anybody nobody belongs to anybody that means no wives no sons no brothers no sisters no uncles no aunts no mothers no nobody is belonging to anybody and nobody should take ownership of another person this is called detachment but even if renunciation is attained accompanied by discriminating knowledge it will be wasted hence accept the udhi respectfully linking together of discriminating knowledge and renunciation is the same as that of vibhuti and dakshana without which it is difficult to cross over to the yonder banks of the river of worldly life great and small all come for darshan and after bowing at baba's feet when they returned home baba gave them vibhuti so in the previous line it is said the two things that are there renunciation and discriminating knowledge similarly discriminating knowledge and renunciation are compared to vibhuti and dakshana so when you meet the sage you give the dakshana so that is called renunciation you are renouncing the whole world you are actually not saying that you you own anything so you hand over something that which you think is yours you understood this you that which you think i own this what do you own so when you are standing in front of sai baba what do you do this money is mine isn't it are we not taking ownership of this so we are taking this ownership this is my money i am giving it to baba so, so when you give the money it doesn't belong to you anymore did you get this so you are given it away so nothing is owned by you so this is renouncing that thing renouncing means giving it away so this that is the reason why the the dakshana is also mentioned in the mosque burned down the udi from the dhuni for every day and night baba took udi for the fishful and gave them to the devotees when bidding them adieu the ash was given as prasad smearing it on the forehead with his thumb and at the same time placing the hand on their head in benediction raksha or ash vibhuti and udi though they are three different words they have the same meaning and this is a prasad that baba always distributed unstintingly and in great abundance worldly life is like this udi and a day will come when like it we also become vibhuti this is the true significance of the udi keep this in mind always now you will find that even most of these believers of the sakta cult or those who believe in the shakti what do they do the shiva worshipers you know shaivites they smear udi this smear bhasma as we call it now this bhasma is smeared all over the body they can put it on their head face everywhere especially if you have seen the pictures of the naga babas you know during the uh, kumbh mela you will find them they are only having udi all over their body that is the bhasma is all over their body now the where does this come from this comes from the burial grounds basically where uh, sorry the cremation grounds as we call it so the cremation ground contains this particular 
Udi. Basically, what they do is, where the body is getting burnt, they take the ash from that. And that is the ash which is put on their body. This is a dead body. Remember, it's a dead body. Those five elements have been destroyed and that is what they have smeared on themselves. And this is what... So, it gives them an understanding that nothing is permanent. Everything is impermanent. Everything goes away. Just like this ash, you know, the body has dissolved. So, why are you having so much of significance of for this body of yours? Can you think about somebody who will take uh, a pinch of this particular thing and smear it on your own body? Can you think like that? You know, <laughs> first and foremost, you will be scared of it. Somebody's ash you know, somebody's body is burnt and you take a little from that and you smear it on your body. You know how dangerous it is. People will think, oh my God, now what will happen? The ghost will come and this will... We are scared. We are scared. And these Babajis, they are smearing only this ash and going all over the world. <laughs> See, they do what is called as the Smashan Puja, you know, right in the middle of the Smashan. Smashan is a, is a place where they burn the bodies. So they will go there in the in the middle of the night, especially you know the nights which are specified, where there is no moon and so on and so forth. We will be scared to go inside such type of places. A normal human being would not want to go. Forget about going. He doesn't even want to go from near that place. He doesn't even want to, because fear factor. Whereas you have to overcome all these factors in our spiritual world. So, these people, they are very, very, uh, they have very special methods of even eating raw flesh. Okay, sometimes these, they are called aghoris by the way. Some of them are aghoris. There are different, different kind of uh, people there. So, <clears throat> so anyway, vibhuti is like that. Like water of a lotus leaf, the mortal body will also fall one day, hence give up the attachment to it. This is what Baba indicated by giving udi. Know for certain that the whole expanse of the world is like an ash. Think of the illusory nature of this world and trust only in the reality of the Udi. Udi is nothing but dust. All things, whatever they might be, they have a name and a form, will in the end go the same way. That is, they will be reduced to dust. Even in the Bible it is written, you know, from dust thou hast come and from dust thou shalt go back again. So, you are anyway a dust, by itself. So, where is the question of having so much of ahankara? Udi is nothing but dust and all things which they might be, they have a name and a form. Everything has a name and a form, isn't it? We call every individual by the one name, individual name. But once a person is dead, there is no name left over there. We are just your five elements which are mixed together. So, when in a good mood, Baba himself has been heard to sing the song. Listen, O listeners, to the pungent piece of what it, uh, from it with reference to the Udi. Sri Ram has come. Oh, he has come during his wanderings and he has brought bagfuls of Udi. When the Francie took him, he used to sing only this refrain, repeating and in a tuneful voice with a great joy. In short, Baba's Dhuni has produced so many bags of Udi that no one has been able to count them. Such is this most auspicious Udi. 
Having understood this deeper significance of distributing Odi as also its spiritual significance and its implied meaning, the listeners may want to know with a purely selfish motive its importance of that day-to-day well-being in worldly life. Well, Odi has this beneficial property too. How else will this importance grow? Sai, an adept of the spiritual path, ensures not only spiritual but worldly welfare too. There are numerous stories of the worldly benefits of this Udi and lest it add to the volume of the book, I shall narrate them in brief. Once a Gujarati Brahmin of the Odicheya subcaste by the name of Moti Ram Narayan Jani lived at Nashi. He was a householder. Ram Chandravaman Modak was also another of Baba's faithful devotees and in whose service Narayan Rao was employed. When Baba was yet in flesh and blood, this Narayan Rao, accompanied by his mother, had gone for his darshan. At that time itself, Baba had hinted all of his own that from now onwards we will have nothing to do with a job. Enough of this service now. An independent business would be far better than this. Later on, after a time, God really took pity on him. The job, the dependency all over and he began enjoying the independence. He opened a boarding and a lodging establishment there on his very own. He called it Anand Ashram and toiled for it sincerely. Day after day, its fame began to spread. This brought him peace and happiness. As he considered how things had happened exactly as Baba had predicted, his faith in Sai grew, developing into a firm, steadfast devotion as time went by. The experience that followed left a deep impression on his mind. He experienced the truth of Sai's words and so the listeners now have a story to listen to. His love for Sai went on increasing. Truly, Sai's Leela is inconceivable. All his utterances were in the first person, were always about another person and those who observed him closely invariably had this experience. Later on, as he had further experiences, his glorious devotion and love grew. Listen to another story of this faith and devotion. Once, one of Narayanra's friends was suddenly bitten by a scorpion which caused him great pain and suffering. Baba's Udi was the most useful remedy for applying to the bite, but search as he may, he just could not find it. The friend could bear the pain no longer and yet the Udi could not be traced. He took darshan of Baba's photograph, praying to him fervently for mercy. At the foot of the photograph, he found some ash fallen from the burning incense stick and for the moment he felt it was Udi itself. So picking up a pinch from it, he smeared it over the bitten area simultaneously murmuring Sai's name. As your faith, so is your experience. You will be greatly surprised to know that the moment the ash was rubbed on it with the finger, the pain disappeared altogether the way it had come. Both were overcome with love. Here at least it was Vibhuti from the incense stick that applied to the afflicted. But even the dust on the pathway which used the Udi brings the same experience. And the very touch of this dust benefits not only those who are ill or suffering from disease, but its application is effective even to others. Once a father was greatly worried on suddenly receiving news that his daughter in another village was suffering from fever caused by eruption of blind tumors. That is a bubonic plague. Those are small knots that appear on the body. The father lived in Bandra while the daughter lived in another village. He did not have any Udi with him. So he sent a message to Nana, that is Nana Sahib Sandurkar. He requested Sandurkar to pray to Baba and relieve him of the worry, adding that Sandurkar should send some Udi blessed by Baba. 
The person carrying the message met Nana on the way. At that time, Nana had just set out to go to Kalyan with his wife. The message was given to him near the Thane station, and there was no Udi at hand. So he picked up some dust on the way. Standing there on the road, he played, prayed to Baba in supplication, and turning back, applied a pinch of dust to the wife's forehead. Here, that devotee set out for home and reached his daughter's place. The news that awaited him there made him very happy. For three days, the girl had been running a very high temperature and was in great pain. Only on the previous day had she experienced a slight relief. Thinking back, the father realized that it is exactly the same time Nana had made use of the dust as Udi and prayed to Sai that the girl had become to feel small re- some relief. However, a detailed account of this illness will be given later at an appropriate time. This reference was only in context to the Udi. The same loving devotee Nana Sahib Sandurkar, when he was the Mamladdar of Jamner, experienced the miracle that Sai, ever ready for the good of the devotee, performed, listened to it. Unlimited is the power of the Udi, be attentive, O listeners, for I shall now narrate another miracle which was greatly astonish you. Nana's daughter was about to deliver any moment and the labor pains were becoming unbearable. At Zamner, Nana Sahib was calling out to Sai Samarth in every possible way. In Shirdi, of course, no one knew about the situation at Zamner. But from the omniscient, all-pervasive Baba, nothing in the world is hidden. Baba, who is one with the devotee, knew the position in Nana's house. Sai Samarth's heart was moved by compassion and just see what he did. He wished to send some Udi to Nana. And all of a sudden, Gosavi, Ramgir Bua and a strong urge to go to his own village. His village, that is the native place, was in Khandesh. So he made the preparations to go and come to the mosque for Baba's darshan. While Baba was still in the physical body, whatever the work, no one ever went without first making obeisance at the feet and taking his permission. For a wedding or a thread ceremony, an auspicious ceremony like rites and rituals or any other functions, or even a mere planning of it, Baba's approval was absolutely necessary. Without his wholehearted consent, his Udi Prasad and the benediction, the function would never pass off without an obstacle, such was the firm faith of one and all. So this had become a custom in the village. According to Ramgir also came, bowed at Baba's feet and asked for permission to go. He said, Baba, I want to go to my village in Khandesh. Please give me Udi with the blessings and permit the servant of yours to go. To Ramgir, whom Baba affectionately called Bapugir, Baba said, Go, go to the village, go by all means. But on the way, take a little rest. So first go to Zamner and stay there at Nana's house. And after inquiring about his well-being, so you can proceed further on your way. And he said to Madhavara Dishpande, Shama, Write down on the piece of paper that Aarti composed by Adkar to send to Nana with his with this Gosave. Adkar is the name of the person who has composed this Aarti. If you go to any Sai Baba's temple, this Aarti is always there. And uh, even if you go to YouTube, you will find the Aarti, uh, which is uh, Aarti of Sai Baba, which will be which we will do now. So the, the the this is the explanation to that. So we will just come to it. So this is Adkar has written this. He then gave Udi to the Gosavi and tied up a little in a small packet, giving the packet in the hand. Baba thus sent it to Nana, saying, Give this packet and this Arti to Nana. Inquire after his well-being and then proceed to your own village. The Arti, Arti Sai Baba, was just like the one composed by Ram Janardhan, that is Arti Nyanaraja. Both have the same. This is for Nyaneshwar. 
actually the same aarti has been there and the way the refrain and all goes is exactly the same both have the same vritta and the measure of verse ram janardhan was a devotee of janardhan swami while madhav adkar was absorbed at sai's feet the composition is true truly best one no bhajan can be complete without it and this aarti was baba's favorite too listen to it in full it was sent along with udit by baba and you will see its fruitfulness later it says the aarti goes in aarti sai baba sokya data rajiva charna rajatali java dasa visava bhakta visava aarti sai baba and so what we, we will do is we'll i'll just do the aarti which is there in english so that you will understand he says i wave lights before you o sai baba lights means we take that aarti no you have seen the pancharati and all that the, that is the lighted um, diyas um, that are there we, we just wave it in front the giver of happiness to the creatures give refuge to this servant to your devotee and in the dust at your feet having burned down cupids that is lust you are always self absorbed the sages are always self absorbed in themselves they have completely destroyed the lust that is there in them and appears before the very eyes of the seekers as shri krishna these sages they appear in front of the people as shri krishna themselves as is the faith in one's heart so is the experience jayamani jaisa bhava taya taisa anubhava means those who have the type of faith that you have is the type of experience you will get so whatever is the faith that you have in your own heart is the experience that you will get oh compassionate one such is your maya actually it is it's not maya the word maya over here means love actually <laughs> the word is is misspelled over here in this book it is not maya it is maa maa means the love mother's love as we call it okay that is the way oh such is your mother's love meditating on your name the worldly sorrows vanish truly unfathomable is your doing you show us the way to the friendless o to the friendless taking avatar in this kaliyug you have incarnated as a true sagun brahma o swami datta digambara datta digambara now datta those who are the followers of dattatreya they they always say these words datta digambara it is the ref, the thing goes like this digambara digambara shripad vallabh digambara okay so shripad vallabh is one of the avatars of dattatre uh, if you do this uh, guru charitra you will find there guru charitra is uh, is one of the very wonderful books you will find that this is this uh, sage is also mentioned it's an avatar of dattatre dattatre is my gurudev so and incidentally uh, once i finish this i will tell you one more uh, um, thing about udi every eight days on thursday the devotee makes pilgrimage to the darshan of their god do remove the fear of worldly life or worldly life sacrifice on your holy feet is my treasured wealth and this is all i ask for o lord of lords o lord of lords this meek chatak wishes only for the pure water of bliss give it to this madhava and keep your promise o keep your promise i wave lights before you o sai baba this is the entire thing you can see it on youtube okay so as like i told you you know there is one particular place where uh, if you go to 
um, Gangapur. Uh, some of you have come with me to this place called Gangapur. Now in Gangapur there is a river also flowing over there and that is also a Sangam. Sangam means a place where the rivers meet, different rivers meet, a place where uh, the different different uh, rivers are conjoining together. At that place just in front of them there is a small mountain, a very tiny, we can't call it a mountain, it's a small uh, land, uh, raised land. Earlier the land used to, that uh, thing was like a mountainous thing and that was a place where Udi used to be available. So you could go to this place and pick up an Udi from there and take it with you and go. Nowadays that thing doesn't have uh, last time when I went over there, I saw most of these people drink, you know, smoking chillam and sitting over there gossiping away. Most of these Babaji's over there. Uh, today, I think that place might have a very little significance. But yes, there is a place where you can find, there is an ash hill, hill of an ash, ash, okay. So like that, ash is mentioned even in most of uh, Dattatre's uh, um, works. So it, this is also the place where you can go. The Gosavi said to Baba, I have with me only rupees two. With these, how will I reach home? After visiting Zamner, Baba said, you go in peace. All your needs will be looked after. Keeping full trust in Sai, the Gosavi quickly set out to go. Obeying Baba's command and after receiving Udi Prasad from him, Bapugir, intent on his mission, set out at once with Baba's permission. There was no railway for Zamner and then as it is now and the journey was not easy, the Gosavi was not quite worried. Boarding a train, the travellers had yet to get down at Jalgaon and go the rest of the way on foot. The railway fare came up to 1 rupee and 14 annas, leaving a balance of 2 annas only. 16 annas used to make 1 rupee, by the way. Solahane, such. We say, no, Solahane means 16 annas. 1 anna was 6 paisa. Okay, now I know, nobody knows what a paisa looks like. Because nowadays even the coins have started disappearing. There are no coins, no foreigners coins. Maybe 50 is all that is remaining. 50 paisa and 1 rupee. So the new paisa came into effect later on. So 96 paisas used to be 1 rupee earlier. So that is why we say Solane 16 annas. Okay. So... <clears throat> While the Gosavi worried thus, as he was at Jalgaon station, when he came out after surrendering his ticket, he saw a peon in the distance. Already in search, the peon was standing in front of the passengers asking, Tell me truly, who amongst you is Bapu Gir from Shirdi? Realizing that the inquiry from the peon was about him, the Gosavi came forward and said, I am he. What do you want? He said, Chandorkar has sent me for you. Come sit in the Tonga quickly. He is eagerly waiting for you. Bua was very happy. A message must have been sent to Nana from Shirdi. This is how the Tonga has arrived at the right time. Instead, indeed it saved me a great deal of bother. Sporting a beard, moustache and whiskers and a clad in a neat trousers, the peon appeared to be very clever. The Tonga looked good too. And as the Tonga was good, so were the horses. For they were not hired ones either. They outstripped all other Tongas eager to reach the destination. Once the Tonga set out in full speed at about 11 o'clock or so at night, it halted only at dawn near a stream. The Tongawala driver then let out his horse to drink water saying, I will come back in a moment. Then we can have some re repast at leisure. I will get some water for us. Then we can have mangoes and peda and some piece of good papri. We can harness the horses thereafter and start on our way again. Good papri is uh, one a sweet, you know, basically 
good good is jaggery is made of jaggery okay on hearing these words his beard his his muslim dress at once created doubts in ramgir's mind as to whether he should partake of the snack or not so he questioned him about the caste why do you have doubts he said i am a son of kshatriya hindu from a garhwal and by caste i am a rajput okay and these snacks are also sent by me by nana and for you so have no doubts in your mind eat them as your ease when the gosavi had convinced thus they both ate them then the horses were at once harnessed their journeys committing coming to an end only at sunrise as the tonga entered the town nana's office could be seen the horses too rested a while ramgir was pleased at heart bua who had wanted to relieve himself went on one side of the road but when he returned to the same spot a wonder awaited him no tonga no horses could be seen even the tonga wala had disappeared at that moment no one could see and the spot was quite deserted ramgir wondered as to what this miracle was having brought me thus far how could he have gone away so far away in so short a time however in his eagerness to meet nana bua went to his office only to learn that nana was at home so he set out to go there thither <coughs> inquiring on the way he found nana's house and even as he was just sitting down in the veranda nana summoned him inside they met each other bua at once took out the udi and aarti and placed them before nana as he narrated all the news to him but the wonder of it all was that when the udi came at the same time nana's daughter was facing some difficulty in her delivery and consequently was in great pain to overcome that difficulty havan to propitiate the goddess navachandi that is durga and a recitation of the saptashati path was in progress the gosavi was quite astonished to see all that saptashati is that one that we keep on we have done i think uh, some of you were there when we were doing the saptashati this is the entire uh, you know the book which uh, which is uh, related to the uh, durga puja which we do ரேடியோ early in the morning they would start that you know on the durga puja's day and such beautiful words i i have the entire collection on uh, cassettes in at my home i don't know where they are but but such beautiful words are there which uh, they used to repeat it every year same thing was repeated every year but it is really wonderful so this is called that navachandi or the durga's mantra that is in saptashati okay that was said a plateful of sweet meats and delicacies should come unexpectedly before a hungry man or nectar before a thirsty chakor such was nana's feeling at that moment he called out to his wife and gave her the udi to be given to the daughter to drink and while he himself started to sing the aarti hardly had a moment passed and the word came from inside that as soon as a glass of udi water was put to her lips the girl experienced great relief she was instantly relieved of pain and delivered without any difficulty everyone was relieved too that she had the safe delivery but where is that tonga wala he asked nana i do not see him here too where is the tonga that you had sent for me nana said what tonga i had not sent it i know nothing about this who knew that you were coming and why should i send a tonga but then narrated the whole bua then narrated the whole story of the tonga from the beginning and in great detail such motherly affection for dad baba filled nana with love and wonder 
doesn't it sound so very strange that who is this person nobody knows if you see he was dressed in a peculiar manner he was dressed like a muslim and he said he was born to a brahmin family did you notice this so actually baba is telling his own story little by little he is just breaking it to you slowly slowly he is going to break it to you how he turned from one to another so in that one person you will find he is a hindu and a muslim and everything put together so oh where was the tonga and where the pure it is only mother sai who played these different roles in different garbs and out of love for his devotee comes running to their rescue in the hour of their need but now let us continue with the earlier story of narayan rao later after some time baba also attained nirvana in the year 1918 chosen choosing the auspicious day of dashera baba surrendered his mortal body to the earth later came the samadhi but before all that even while baba was still in the physical body narayan rao had availed of baba's darshan on two occasions three years passed after samadhi was built but in spite of very keen dis- the desire for darshan he had not been able to find a su- suitable opportunity they made him very impatient a year after the samadhi narayan rao began to suffer from ailments all remedies were tried but the usual remedies failed though harassed by suffering he meditated day and night on baba how could guru maharaj ever Die. Baba gave darshan to Narayan. One night, he had a dream. He saw Sai coming out of an underground cellar and standing near Narayan Rao. He gave him an assurance: "Have no worries in your mind. From to- tomorrow, you will get great relief, and at the end of one week, you will sit up on your own." Eight days passed thus, and the truth of Baba's words were experienced in the very letter. Once again, Narayan Rao was up and about. His joy knew no bounds. After some time, Narayan Rao came to Shirdi to have the samadhi darshan. It is then that he narrated his experience. How can it be said that Baba was alive only while he was in the physical body, and that he is dead because he has taken samadhi? This same thing was also experienced by some of the devotees of Ramakrishna Paramahansa, including his wife Sharda Devi. Now Sharda Devi could see Ramakrishna Ji quite well. In the same way, just after uh, the death of Ramakrishna Paramahansa. they saw him walking uh, in the gardens over there and that is a very beautiful thing they could see him walking over there so actually the sages don't leave this place if you go to even shirdi today you will find baba still exists over there he is in fact beyond life and death and pervades this creation animate and inanimate just as the fire which is always in the wood but lies latent and is kindled by the process of friction so is also sai for his devotee Once you look to Sai with love and affection, he is your power all your life. He wants nothing but single-minded love and devotion, and comes running to help when you call him. Neither time nor place can they can restrain him. He stands behind you firmly all the time, forever. How he will press the spring, and where we do not know, for all the doings are un- inconceivable. Such is his planning that innumerable doubts and misconceptions will arise in the mind. but when we concentrate on the feet at such a time our power of meditation and contemplation grows and when the mind is concentrated in this manner meditation on sai will follow and that is what sai gets done <clears throat> this task is also accomplished without an obstacle the worldly affair needs not be given up but the hankering after all things worldly will automatically cease once the mind is trained thus and work will get done effortlessly पद्मा मेसेज केम जसना वायदेज मेसेज यू हर दैट घंटी नो 
Since this body had taken birth in the karma bhumi earth, the karma will be performed undoubtedly. So, wife, sons, wealth, and house—let all these be collected to the heart's content. Let things happen as they will, but our good lies in meditating on our sadguru. All doubts, all resolutions will disappear, and the predestined calamities will be averted. See what happens is this uh, here in this line: anything that is destined is anyway going to happen. The only thing which the sages do when you leave it at their feet is they cushion you. Cushioning you is very important. Suppose, let us say, for example, you are supposed to meet with a massive accident or something like that. The only thing that will happen is you will get scratched. A little bit of a thing will happen. That's it. The what happens is ninety percent of the, you know, the impact is taken by the guru. So you will find that even when this person he was on his deathbed. baba took away his agony so much in the previous uh, story that we were doing you could see that so the sage is take away most of the pain most of the problems that are there they take it away so don't worry all that is supposed to happen is anyway going to happen but have faith that is the most important thing <clears throat> seeing their loving devotion to the devotee this sai the abode of all virtue gives them experience one after the other to glorify devotion Donning any dress that pleases him, he appears wherever he wishes and wanders anywhere just for the welfare of devotees. Only the devotees should be trusting. Listen attentively, your listeners, to another story in this context, which will show how the saints work untiringly for for their devotees day and night. Throw open the doors of your ears that lead to the temple of your heart, so that the tail may enter, for it will help overcome the fear of worldly life and calamities. The recent warfare with Germans that is the World War 1 was there which had just ended necessitated the formation of an army to fight the enemy so the british government was recruiting men for the army uh, incidentally uh, the indians you know all, uh, almost uh, half a million indians were involved in the british army to fight uh, to fight during the world war half a million and um, we were very much involved but we were fighting under the british okay against the germans that is what was happening there so the british government was recruiting men for the army everywhere in all the cities in india the year was 1917 and the opportune moment had arrived in the devotee who was then posted at the thana district a most amazing incident took place at that time the name of the devotee was appa saheb kulkarni and by size power by the inconceivable leela it was that is devotee developed a strong unwavering faith in sai years ago bala saheb bhate had given him a photograph of baba which he had started worshiping and with all his heart action and speech would he worship it daily offering whatever flowers were available sandalwood paste consecrated rice etc and the nevedya of food offerings when will this karma bhog be over when will my heartfelt desire for sai's actual darshan in person be fulfilled such was the yearning in his heart but the darshan of sai baba's photograph is the same as his darshan in person but there has to be full complete trust and you will receive the mark at the right time and now listen carefully to the narration of how the darshan of the mere photograph is the same as the actual darshan bala bua sutar the kirtankar from bombay and known as the modern tukaram once went to shirdi for baba's darshan this was his very first visit and although he had never met sai before as soon as he looked at each other sai very clearly said to him see i have known him for the last 4 years bala bua naturally wondering why he was saying so baba had not left shirdi and even i had not left been shirdi been to shirdi for the and i am being to shirdi for the first time today then how is it that baba knows me for the last 4 years 
As he pondered over it, Bala Bua suddenly remembered that four years ago he had once made obeisance to Baba's photograph. Baba Bua at once realized the truth of Baba's words. Just see all the all pervasiveness of the saints and their love for the devotee. I have made obeisance only to the photograph and set eyes in the form for the first time today. But Baba recognized me. Though I had forgotten all about it long ago, he thought. And yet it is not correct to say I forgot. I did not understand the meaning of Baba's words immediately. For I had not the power to understand that my obeisance to the photograph was the acquaintance that he referred to. Baba knew me and I was not even aware of it in the least. It is only when the saints remind you that everything comes back to your mind. And this is a very important thing that you should know. See, many a times the saint will normally tell you, you know, oh, I met you, I have seen you here and this. So what we think is he is talking some nonsense or some crap sometimes, you know. Don't worry, he is telling you the truth. What he is telling you is how he has seen you and where, where is it the last time that he has met you. And that is the truth. So it is always revealed in this form. But, but we need to have faith. <clears throat> Baba knew me and I was not even aware of it in the least. It is only when the saints remind you that everything comes back to you in your mind. Just as we see the reflection of the sun in the moon in the clear water on a clear mirror, so is also the photograph a clear, a crystal clear reflection, a symbolic presentation of the person. Hence the darshan of a saint's photograph is the same as the actual darshan. Here is the teaching of the omniscient saint of all. This reminds me of a story of uh, Vivekananda. When Vivekananda had gone to North India, on his tour, you know, after uh, the death of uh, Ramakrishna Paramahansa, he had taken an all-India tour. At that time, he had gone to this place and he was uh, staying with one of the very big kings of North India. At that time, uh, the question that was asked to him was, by the king, why should I pray? Uh, why should I go to the temple to pray to that statue over there? Why is it that I cannot just sit over here and pray? Why Is there God in that statue over there? So, that particular morning when Vivekananda was walking down the corridor, there was this uh, servant of the king. He was cleaning a very huge statue of the king. So, he told the servant, can you remove that, that uh, not a statue, it was a picture, uh, a frame picture. So, he told him, can you remove it down and put it on the ground over here? Now, he was... Uh, Vivekananda Swami, Swamiji was a great person so naturally nobody could object and the king was walking with him so the king said okay remove it and put it so he kept it on the ground over there and then he said stamp it put your feet on it and stamp on it so the servant was very upset he said I cannot do that he says why this is not a king this is only the picture of the king so that is the time the king came to know that the picture also has the same significance as the king because the picture of Baba is equivalent to the to Sai Baba himself. So whenever even if the picture appears in front of you, always remember it is Baba's grace only that is there in front of you. Yes, so is his name. Yes. So <clears throat> hence the darshan of a saint's photograph is the same as the actual darshan. 
This is a teaching of the omniscient saint to all. Now the listeners be attentive so that they can pick up the threads of the earlier story. Appa resided at Thane and had at once gone to Bhivandi for work. So he left the house saying that he would return after 8 days. But hardly had 2 days passed since he left when there at Thane a most amazing thing happened. A fakir came to the door. As their eyes met, everyone thought that Sai himself had come from head to foot. He resembled the photograph in face and figure. Appa's wife, his children and all stared at the face in astonishment. They all felt that Baba himself had come. None of them had the actual darshan before, but from the resemblance of the photograph, they felt that he was Baba and hence they were curious. So they asked the Fakir, Are you the same Sai of Shirdi? Listen carefully to what the Fakir told them. I am myself not really Sai, but I am his obedient slave, and by his command I have come to inquire about the children and the family. Then he began to ask for Dakshina. The, mom, the mother at once gave him one rupee very respectfully, and he too gave her gave them Udi. He gave Sai Baba Udi for the lady in the packet and said, Keep this alongside the photograph. It will bring you great happiness. Having thus accomplished his purpose, he took leave, saying, Sai must be waiting eagerly for me, and went away. As he set out from there, he went the same way as he had come. But what happened at Appa's house was really Sai's most wonderful Leela. Appa Sahib had no doubt gone to Bhivandi, but instead of going ahead, he had turned back to the horses of the Tonga to kill. The, fu- the further visit had to be cancelled. In the afternoon, he returned to Thane. <clears throat> and when he heard what had happened in his absence, Appa Sahib had great regrets that he missed the darshan. He also felt ashamed that only one rupee was given as Dakshana. Had I been there, I would have never sent him off without offering anything less than rupees 10 as Dakshana. And so Appa Sahib said to himself, he felt a little sad at heart, thinking that he may yet find the fakir in the mosque. He set out in search without even taking food. Appa searched for the fakir in all possible places, mosques, takiyas, wherever the fakir usually stayed. But he was quite exhausted by the search, but the fakir could not be found. Disappointed and hungry, he went home and had his food. But what he did not know was that one should never undertake any search on an empty stomach. I mean, this is what we learnt in the last chapter, isn't it? Whatever you do, don't do it on an empty stomach. You will have problems. So, take your food and then only do whatever you want to. That means even the prayers that you need to do. Okay, that that there is a there is a disclaimer over here. When you have made the entire Mahaprasad for the Lord, first don't go and eat it. Okay, first you show it to the... <laughs> <laughs> to the Lord and then you can partake of it. This is when we do these pujas and all that, not that time. Alright. So, he did not know that one should never undertake any search on an empty stomach. The Atma should first be satisfied and then the search taken up. The truth of this principle is revealed to Baba's story conveying the same significance. But the listeners already know it. Then why repeat it? In the previous chapter, a fascinating story called The Greatness of the Guru had been narrated in which Sri Sai, the compassionate one, had described in his own words the promise of the Guru. And the truth of these same words was now experienced. After taking his food, Appa set out once again for a casual walk, taking with him a friend Chitrik. After taking trading path on the way, he noticed a person who kept on looking at him and walked up hurriedly to where he was to meet him. When he came and stood near him, Appa Sahib took a furtive look at him, thinking in his mind that this must have been the one who had come to the house that morning. This seems to be the fakir from whom I was searching earlier. He resembled the photograph at the very tip of the nails. My mind is quite bewildered on seeing him. So Appa inferred in his mind when suddenly the fakir spread out his hands before him, on which Appa placed a rupee at that time. When he asked for more, Appa gave one more yet, a third one, but the fakir still asked for more. The real wonder was still to follow. Chitre had three rupees with him, while Appa took from him and gave them to the fakir. But still the fakir could not stop asking for more. Appa Sahib said to him, I can give you more if you come home. He agreed and the three of them returned to their house. 
After coming home, he at once took out three more and gave them to him. Now he had given nine rupees in all, yet the fakir was not satisfied. When he began asking for more dakshana, Appa said, Now there remains with me only one ten rupee note. All the loose change is finished and nothing else is left. Why not give me the note, said the fakir. So Appa gave it. As the note came in his hand, the fakir returned the nine rupees. He then went back speedily the way he had come. The significance of the story is this. That, that it is Sai's promise that he will get fulfilled whatever words a devotee might have uttered. Eager that the listeners are for more, I shall narrate another story with the same purpose which I am reminded in this context. Listen to it with respect. There is a faithful devotee named Haribau Karnika, resident of Dahanu village. He cherished a state for devotion to Sai. In the year 1917, on the auspicious day of Guru Purnima, he had undertaken a pilgrimage to Shirdi. And this is the tale that I shall now relate. With all the proper rituals, he performed the puja, making an offering of garments and dakshana, and took Baba's leave. As he com- was coming down the steps, a thought arose in his mind. He felt that he should go up again and offer one more rupee to Baba. But he had given up the idea and kept back the rupee. The person, Madhura Deshpande, who had arranged for the darshan, leave taking care earlier, signaled to him from above that once he had taken leave, he should now proceed ahead on his way. Implicitly trusting the signal, Karnik went ahead. On the way home, he and his friend made a halt at Nashik. When Karnik was went to have darshan at the temple of Kala Ram in Nashik unexpectedly, he had the darshan of the saint Narsim Maharaj. Uh, Narsimha, uh, this is uh, the Gujarati saint, by the way. Hmm? Although surrounded by the group of devotees, Maharaj suddenly got up and catching Karnik by the waist, Give me my rupee. In this heart, Karnik was quite astonished but gave the rupee more happily. He felt that Sai himself was accepting the rupee which he had uh, mentally offered him earlier. And it is not quite correct to say that Sai had accepted it. For when such a thought is furthest from the mind, he just pulls it out forcibly from you. And that is exactly what had happened. The mind is always full of resolutions, doubts, etc. Initially at one plans one thing, but when the time comes for executing the plan, wave upon wave of thoughts invade it. But it is only the first thought that arises provided it, it is benign one, which is nourished and this becomes beneficial. Remember, this line is very, very important. The first thought is the one which is arising from the domain of the divine. So, it is always a beneficial thought. So, always go by the first thought. Don't go after that because then the gymnastics happens in the mind. Okay. So, the first thought is the most profound one. On it, the mind should concentrate, study deeply and meditate upon repeatedly without allowing it to be forgotten and thus keep one's word even with a special effort. Appa Sahib had uttered the words and would have forgotten later, so Sai saw to it that was fulfilled as soon as uttered, thereby revealing to the world the great marvel of devotion. Why else should a fakir be given back 9 rupees when he had him with him full 19? Because Appa's unfulfilled desire was to give 10 rupees and no less. The necklace of 9 golden coins sanctified by Baba's touch was really the way of reminding the devotees of the aggregate of the ninefold part of loving devotion. If you remember that 9 you know, things that were dropped. Okay. As you will hear the story of Baba giving up the body, you will see Baba's unique way of giving which gives 9 rupees to Lakshmi Bhai at that time. Appa's wife had very sincerely with all his heart given only one rupee which he accepted with pleasure. There was no asking for more then. But Appa considered his wife's dakshana was too little. I would there and then have given to the fakir ten times more had I been there, he thought. Since Appa had actually mentioned that he would have given ten rupees, then unless he gave the full amount, how would he keep his word, discharge his debt? The fakir was not like others. Was he any mendicant to go back accepting whatever was placed on his hand? The day had not passed when the same day the words were uttered he came back. But it was Appa who had the misconception that he was some other unknown fakir. When the fakir asked him for dakshana, 
he had six rupees with him, but he did not give away all of them, and he had not really loved allowed Appa. Would Baba have come dressed as a fakir? Moreover, he had not pretending pretended asking for Dakshina. Would this story have been so fascinating? Appa Sahib was only an excuse, but same is the true for you and me. We all have good intentions to begin with, but when time comes, we act quite differently according to the occasion. This is a very important fact. We know we we may say something, you know. Okay, okay, we will do this, and then later on, what happens? We completely give up that particular intention that is there. That is not correct. We should always keep whatever we have said. We should try to obey that one. Whatever, keep the word. We are always ready with words and promises, but when it actually comes to giving, doubts cloud our mind and we waver. Rarely is there any resolute action. But rare amongst us is he who will speak little and always for the good of others, and will act strictly according to his word and vindicate it. To a devotee with a single-minded devotion to him, Sai Samarth will grant whatever he desires to have, whether it be in this world or the next. Though Appa Sahib was very clever, proficient in English education, the government paid him a salary of only rupees forty in the beginning. And later, when he got up, got the photograph, his pay increased gradually and so many times more than rupees forty. If you give him one, he gives you ten times more, ten times more the authority and power. And everyone has this experience of Baba from time to time. Moreover, from such steady faith, the spiritual perceptions begin to grow. And this any ordinary gain, Baba's skill is really most remarkable. Later, Appa Sahib asked to see the vibhuti given by the fakir. It was in the packet which he opened very lovingly. From the packet came out flowers and consecrated rice along with the udi. He put them in an amulet which he tied around his arms with great respect. When the same thing happened with uh, our Ram Krishna ji, you know Ram Krishna ji, whom most of you all know, uh, Ram Krishna ji had come to meet me long ago. So at that time there was something which uh, I told him some. Something was amiss in his house. So what I did was I took little udi, and I put it in one small pudi. Pudi means you make that uh, you know uh, all those doctors make <laughs> the folded thing. So I made it and I gave it to him and I said you put this in your purse and keep it over there. So he kept it over there and forgot about it. So some two three months later. He was talking to his friend and telling him. He said, "Guru had given me this udi, and I want to show you the udi." So at that time, he opened the that particular pudiya, you know, that small thing, and from it came out consecrated rice. There was no udi in that. This is a blessing, actually. So you have to understand. This is what happened with Ram Krishna ji also. So later, when he took Baba's darshan, he uh, Baba gave him one hair of his. Which he very lovingly put in the amulet along with the rest. Uh, incidentally, hair, uh, all these tawish that they make, you know, they put, they pull out one hair and they put it in that. Uh, in ancient times, we used to do that: put one hair in that uh, amulet and tie it round our, so you know, our arms, so that uh, we don't get bad dreams. <laughs> the hair from the bear, bears, bears, you know, the yeah. Oh, what significance Baba's udi has? Udi also adorns Shankara, and he who applies to his forehead with faith will have all the impediments on the way removed instantly. After the morning ablutions, he who applies the udi daily and drinks it along with the holy water washed off Baba's feet will acquire much merit and be purified. Moreover, another special property of the udi is that if taken faithfully, it will bring long life. All the sins will be destroyed, and happiness and contentment will come to stay. In this way, Sai had given a feast of the nectar sweet story under the pretext of Appa, and we have but uninvited guests who have feasted it. At it to our heart's content. 
but whether a guest or the host all have partaken of the same feast. There is no differentiation as far as sweetness and deliciousness is concerned dissociated with the feast of self-rejoicing. Hemad bows at Sai's feet. What we have listened to so far is quite enough. In the next chapter, we'll follow the narration of a greater significance of this Udi. How by her smearing the Udi and the size darshan, a deep-seated ulcer was totally cured. How the ringworm and the bubonic plague were cured too. Listen to it very carefully. We'll be to all. Here ends the 33rd chapter of Sai Samarth Satcharit called the significance of Udi 1 as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee Hemad Pan. If you have any questions, you can ask me or otherwise...